Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. For standing by and welcome to the Real Matters third quarter 2021 conference call. At this time, all participant lines are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone keypad. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to Lynn Beauregard, Vice President of Investor Relations. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Real Matters Financial Results Conference Call for the third quarter ended June 30th, 2021. With me today are Real Matters Chief Executive Officer Brian Lang and Chief Financial Officer Bill Herman. This morning before market opened, we issued a news release announcing our results for the three nine months ended June 30th, 2021. The release, accompanying slide presentation, as well as the financial statements of MD&A are posted in the investor relations section of our website at realmatters.com. During the call, we may make certain forward-looking statements which reflect the current expectations of management with respect to our business and the industry in which we operate. However, there are a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors that could cause our results to differ materially from our expectations. Please see the slide entitled Cautionary Note Regarding Forward-Looking Information in the accompanying slide presentation for more detail. You can also find additional information about these risks in the Risk Factors section of the company's annual information form for the year ended September 30th, 2020, which is available on CDAR and in the Investor Relations section of our website. As a reminder, we refer to non-GAAP measures in our slide presentation, including net revenue, net revenue margins, adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA margins, Non-GAAP measures are described in our MD&A for the three and nine months ended June 30th, 2021, where you will also find reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Brian. Thank you, Lynn. Good morning, everyone, and, and thank you for joining us on the call. I will kick things off today by discussing some of the highlights of our third quarter. Bill will then take a deeper dive into our segment financials, and I'll wrap up the call with some brief remarks prior to taking questions. We posted record revenues and net revenues in our U.S. appraisal and Canadian segments in the third quarter from net margin share gains, new client launches, as well as a more robust mortgage market on both sides of the border. Consolidated revenues were up 9.6% in the third quarter as the strong performance of our U.S. appraisal and Canadian segments was offset in part by a decline in U.S. title revenues, a third of which was related to the continued rationalization of the diversified title business. Turning to slide three, consolidated net revenue decreased 12.1% year-over-year to $38.6 million, and adjusted EBITDA decreased to $11.8 million from $20.9 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2020 due to the lower contribution from our U.S. title segment. After the run-up in the 10-year Treasury in March, 30-year fixed mortgage rates moved marginally lower during the quarter, 
which resulted in flat refinance activity year over year as a robust purchase season got underway. U.S. appraisal segment revenues increased 17.5% year over year to $85.3 million driven by higher market volumes, net market share gains, and new client additions. Origination-only revenues were up 20.6% year-over-year, which compares to an estimated increase of 17.1% in the addressable market, which takes into account the impact of veteran affairs volumes and waivers. In the quarter, we launched three new lenders in U.S. appraisal. We also continued to rank at the top of lender scorecards, which drove market share gains in the main origination channel year-over-year. Operational excellence continues to be our principal focus as we drive toward achieving our fiscal 2025 objectives and doubling our U.S. appraisal purchase and refinance market share and achieving net revenue margins of 26 to 28% and adjusted EBITDA margins of 65 to 70%. In our U.S. title segment, third quarter revenues were down 28.8% year over year. Centralized title revenues were down 22.2% compared with an estimated 0.5% decrease in market volumes. As we highlighted in prior periods and during our investor day last fall, we have been transitioning our client base in U.S. title for some time, making capacity for new franchise-type clients like the Tier 1 and Tier 2 lenders we launched earlier this year. To put this into context, let me give you a bit more color around timing of this transition. As title volumes were surging late last year and with the launch of our first Tier 1 customer on the horizon, we capped volume with some historical customers to ensure we had ample capacity to properly service the Tier 1 and other new Tier 2 lenders. As the 10-year yield moved up earlier this year, we did not receive as much volume as we would have otherwise received due to the caps we put in place. Performance in the first quarters of a new Tier 1 launch are are critical, as was the case in appraisal, and we firmly believe that we made the right decisions for the long term. We are very pleased with our performance and the market share progression we have seen thus far with our new title clients, and we also launched two new lenders in title in the third quarter. We are continuing to look at opportunities to build up share should the rate environment be less favorable in the near term. We remain confident with our strategy and long-term objectives for this business to triple our market share to 6 to 8% by the end of fiscal 2025 and achieve net revenue margins in the 60 to 65% range and adjusted EBITDA margins in the 50 to 55% range. Diversified title revenues were down 69% year over year in the third quarter, in line with our strategic plan to rationalize this business and better support the growth of our centralized title services. On a year-to-date basis, this represents a revenue decline of $12.9 million in our title segment. In our Canadian segment, third quarter revenues were up 149.1% year-over-year. Higher appraisal volumes from market share gains and a stronger mortgage origination market in Canada drove record volumes in the Canadian appraisal business during the quarter. 
We also benefited from foreign exchange and revenues in our insurance business increased with the relaxation of certain COVID-19 restrictions. Adjusted EBITDA more than doubled to 1.3 million from 0.6 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2020. With that, I'll hand it over to Bill. Bill? Thank you, Brian, and good morning, everyone. Turning to slides four and five for a closer look at our financial results. Consolidated revenues increased in the third quarter of fiscal 2021 compared to the same quarter last year due to record revenues in our U.S. appraisal and Canadian segments, which were partially offset by the decline in U.S. title revenues. In our U.S. appraisal segment, we serviced higher origination volumes from higher market volumes, net market share gains, and new client additions. Conversely, revenues from home equity and default volumes declined year over year due to lower market volumes for these services. Transaction costs in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 22.5% year over year compared to the 17.5% increase in revenues for the same period. As a result, net revenue was up 2.3% to $18.1 million, while net revenue margins declined 310 basis points to 21.3%, the 24.4% we posted in the same period last year. This decline was due in part to the mix of mortgage origination volumes serviced and appraiser onboarding to service higher volumes, partially offset by servicing fewer low-margin home equity volumes. Operating expenses in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 9.7% to $7.6 million, up from $6.9 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2020 due to an increase in payroll and related costs from higher origination volume service. As a result, adjusted EBITDA declined modestly to $10.5 million from $10.8 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2020. Adjusted EBITDA margins in our U.S. appraisal segment decreased to 58.2% in the third quarter of fiscal 2021, from the 61% we posted in the same quarter last year, due to lower net revenue margins and capacity additions we made to service higher volumes. Turning to our U.S. title segment, third quarter revenues were down 28.8% year over year. Revenues attributable to centralized title services declined 7.1 million to 24.7 million, and our average revenue per transaction was large, largely unchanged from the prior quarter comparative. Diversified revenues totaled $1.6 million, representing a decline of $3.6 million from the third quarter of fiscal 2020. The decrease in diversified revenues was due to lower commercial, search, and capital markets revenue, attributed to lower market volumes and our strategic decision to reallocate internal resources to support centralized title services. The decline in other revenues was due to lower market activity for home equity services. Transaction costs decreased 33.5% and net revenue margins expanded to 67.2% up from the 64.9% we posted in the third quarter of 2020. The expansion in net revenue margins was due to the flow of volumes in the third quarter, which saw us close a higher proportion of transactions relative to new orders received. Operating expenses in our U.S. title segment increased $2.4 million to $14.4 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2021. 
The year-over-year -year increase in operating expenses is due to the capacity you've seen us building for several quarters now to service higher volumes and to support our first Tier 1 client launch. Adjusted EBITDA decreased to $4.3 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2021, down from the $13.3 million we posted in the same quarter last year. And adjusted EBITDA margins contracted to 22.8% from the 52.7% we posted in the prior year period, owing to the impact of lower volumes relative, relative to the existing cost base in the business. As we've done in the past, we will continue to be prudent in managing costs to scale with volumes, ensuring that we make the right decisions to support our long-term objectives. We remain confident in our ability to achieve adjusted EBITDA margins of 50 to 55% by the end of fiscal 2025, based on the achievement of our market share objectives. In Canada, revenues increased 149.1% on a year-over-year -year basis to 16.3 million, while net revenue margins contracted by 280 basis points due to the mix of mortgage origination volume serviced. Canadian segment operating expenses were 0.5 million in the third quarter, up from 0.4 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2020, and adjusted EBITDA margins increased to 70.6% from 59.8% in the same quarter last year, as we leveraged our appraisal operation in a higher overall volume environment. In total, third quarter consolidated net revenue was down 12.1% to $38.6 million from the $43.9 million reported in the third quarter of fiscal 2020 from the lower contribution of our U.S. title segment, partially offset by higher net revenue margins recognized in this segment due to the flow of transaction volumes in the quarter. Consolidated net revenue margins decreased to 29.8% in the third quarter of fiscal 2021, down from 37.2% in the third quarter of fiscal 2020, due to lower margins in our U.S. appraisal and Canadian segments and lower net revenue generated by our U.S. title segment. Consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $11.8 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2021, down from $20.9 million in the same quarter last year. And consolidated adjusted EBITDA margins decreased to 30.5% in the third quarter of fiscal 2021 versus the 47.6% we posted in the third quarter of fiscal 2020 due to the capacity additions we made in our U.S. title and U.S. appraisal segments. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of $79.3 million, down from $19.2 million at March 31, 2021. We purchased 4.4 million shares in the third quarter under our NCIB at a cost of 59.2 million. In fiscal 2021, we have allocated more than $86 million year to date to share purchases under our NCIB, buying 6.2 million shares in support of our view of the company's intrinsic value. Post quarter end, we purchased an additional 335,000 shares under our NCIB. With that, I'll turn it back over to Brian. Brian? Thanks, Bill. So in summary, our U.S. appraisal and Canadian segments posted great results in the third quarter, setting new record highs. And while we're in a transitionary phase in U.S. title, we are very pleased with our performance and progression with our newly launched clients. We are also confident in our ability to grow the business with the right clients over the long term. As Bill indicated in his remarks, we will continue to be prudent and manage our cost base to scale with volume 
while ensuring we make decisions that support our long-term growth objectives. We are focused on continuing to build a great business for the long term. With that operator, we'd like to open it up for questions now. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Again, that is star followed by 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw the question, just press pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Thanos Metropolis from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is now open. Hi, good morning. Um, Brian, just going back to your comment about reallocating resources to focus on um, the ramp of larger lenders and title, um, maybe can you drill in a bit on that? I mean, you know, why was there a constraint there? Why couldn't you have just maybe hired more people to continue supporting the smaller customers while also renting large ones? Or, you know, is, is it really sort of the bottleneck in terms of just, you know, skilled, experienced resources that you want to make sure that, you know, you're focusing on, on those large ramps? What was the issue there? Yeah, morning, Thanos, and I think it lines up a little bit more with uh, with the second uh, observation that you made. So, so again, if we if we play back to the end of last year, uh, the volumes were surging. We had 50 to 70 basis point type rates, and uh, and there was a tremendous amount of volume coming in. Uh, and at the same time, we had a tier one and, and a big tier two in our our line of sight. And, uh, and both of these, of course, would be those, those longer-term franchise customers we talk about. And so we, we needed to ensure that we had ample capacity. Um, and so in order to do that, we, we had to cap some of the volume of historic customers. As you know, the 10-year moved up. Um, and uh, even this past quarter, we, we got up over 170 basis points. And so, so Thanos, we simply had less volume than we'd anticipated. So Back a year ago, we anticipated significant volume at those rates and, and slightly less volume. Um, at the same time, we also made that decision to rationalize the diversified uh, title business into centralized title. Um, and we've, we've sort of discussed that since the start of the year, where we shut down commercial on this quarter, we, we shut down capital markets. And so, so that had uh, a third of the, the impact on title uh, shortfall was, was from the diversified work. So. So listen, I mean, we're very confident in the runway. We are performing well with the Tier 1 and Tier 2 that we launched. We needed that capacity uh, at the time to make sure first impressions count with these players. Um, and we can, can uh, continue to be very focused on our long-term targets of, of tripling market share with the, with the volume, uh, the margins that we've, we've uh, shared. And then just to clarify in terms of the uh, Tier 1 and, and the, the Tier 2, as far as those ramps, are they progressing um, as you would have expected initially? I mean, volume might be lower because of the rate environment, but just in terms of from a market share perspective, is that progressing as you thought? Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Yeah, so they, they, they are. So um, I've talked historically and shared our goals of getting tier ones to 5 to 10% in the first year, and we are very well on track to do that. We're only in the second quarter, so uh, I, think, I think it looks very good progress there. And, and in the case of the tier two, uh, we've even accelerated some of that timeline in the third quarter with them. So on both accounts, uh, we feel very strong on our, our progression from a market share standpoint. Okay. Then finally, I mean, rates have obviously uh, backed off. Uh, there was also the um, program by the GSEs to uh, promote refis among um, lower-income uh, borrowers. Um, in terms of just, you know, what you're seeing in the business as of today, are you seeing any kind of a 
a pickup on the back of those things, or is it maybe uh, typically more of a delayed reaction in terms of rates versus refis picking up again? Yeah, well, so I mean, you know, refis, it's, it, the 10-year Treasury is uh, what it is. And this past year, Thanos, we've definitely seen uh, some peaks and valleys in the 10-year. In the so uh, I think the 10-year will be what it is. When we reflect back on the last quarter, um, in the, from a refinance standpoint, it was, uh, you know, the, the volume was marginally negative based on, on the rates. So I think a lot of it we're going to have to see uh, what the rates look like going forward. Um, and see whether there's there's much of an impact. I think that will drive more of an impact than uh, than some of the uh, elements you outlined that have been happening uh, sort of within the industry. But I guess I'm saying just from a real time basis, like over the last couple of weeks, with with rates having had a big move, has there been uh, an uptick, or is it kind of too early to? Ah, sorry, uh, apologies. Just just in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, so we've seen we've seen a little bit of a move, and and what we generally, um, I think what's what's interesting right now, Thanos, is we've got this. 12.5 million homeowner group uh, in the U.S. that all are in a position to uh, to save over 50 basis points on their mortgages. And, and frankly, we haven't seen necessarily the movement there that we would have expected. So I think that's actually uh, part of, I, I think, the interesting elements of, of human psychology is what's going on right now with the U.S. homeowner and, uh, and will they start taking advantage of the fact that uh, that rates are very good and that they could save a fair bit of money on their mortgages, so I think, I think that's that will be an interesting driver with rates uh, where they are right now. Okay, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Thanos. Your next question comes from the line of Daniel Chan from TD Securities. Your line is now open. Hi, right, good morning. Um, just wondering how your discussions with the other tier ones are going on getting onto the title and closing business. Yeah, Dan, the, the pipeline continues to move. Um, we've, as we've talked about in the past, we've we've talked about having a majority of the tier ones in conversations on title. Uh, that that continues. I think there's, on the one hand, a little bit of wait and see as we've uh, we've launched these first two, and uh, as we talked about, performance is incredibly important. And so uh, I think part of the reason we are confident about our market share with the first two is because uh, we are performing incredibly well and, and top of scorecards. So we're feeling really confident there. And I think, uh, as I say, there's a bit of a wait and see um, with the other tier ones and twos, but conversations continue to progress, uh, progress well. Thanks. That's helpful. Um, and then any update on the proportion of um, appraisals that are getting waived? is Q2. I'm assuming that's answered Dan's questions. 
Thank you. Your next question comes to the line of Martin Boner from ATB Capital Markets. Your line is now open. Hey, guys. Thanks all for taking the question. Um, can we? Can you tell us, I'm assuming that uh, based on the rev, uh, result and title this quarter that, um, that you now have um, excess capacity in title, can you kind of tell us um, like what that is and in order and based on your market share goals, um, if you'll be able to uh, ramp at a at a necessary rate going forward. Sure. So so let's go back to the commentary around ensuring we have ample uh, capacity, Martin. So that that is a critical item for us when we are looking at. Uh, these tier ones, tier twos, these, these longer-term franchise customers. So you need to make sure that you've got uh, that ample capacity. I had mentioned over the last couple of quarters that we were we were building that capacity, both at a network level uh, as well as making sure that we had the, the resources to do that. Uh, I think we've done a fantastic job uh, of building the network. So uh, so we're feeling incredibly uh, bold about. Uh, where, where our network is on the title side. Uh, and so now it's a matter of going forward, managing volumes and, and costs. And so I think we'll be very thoughtful about that. As I say, you need to make sure you're, you're continuing to keep uh, that ample capacity with the, uh, the expectations uh, of Tier 1s and Tier 2s in the future, uh, as well as managing against the, uh, the volumes that you have now. So that will be the balance that we manage uh, over the next couple of quarters as we as we make this transitional uh, move from our historic uh, tier threes, tier twos into the the more tier one, tier two um, base. Thanks. Um, is there a certain like amount of capacity you think you can add each and every year? So, like right now, you're at say two and a half percent share of. U.S. title, something in that range. Is it like, is there a maximum amount you can add? Is it one percent? Just wondering if you can give us a feel there. Uh, Martin, I missed the first part. I think the question was around market share ramp uh, to our expectations of tripling market share. Is that the question? No, it, it was on capacity. Like, um, oh, capacity. Is there a certain amount of capacity you're able to add, um, say, per year? Like, is it 1% or I'm just trying to get my head around, will this um, capacity issue happen again? Uh, so if the question is, can we ramp capacity when we need to? If you've seen from this past year, we have ramped up significantly our capacity from where it was uh, over a year ago. So um, so we, we can, as you know, the big sort of focus for us longer term, Martin, is the scale of the business. I mean, that's really uh, a big chunk of the value of the franchise is, is the ability for this, this business to scale. And so in a more mature business, like if you take a look at our Canadian business, you'll see that expenses um, went up very minimally this past quarter, whereas volume was up uh, almost 150%. So we're able to scale up in a, in a mature environment incredibly well and, uh, and then scale down as need be. So where we are with title, again, it's, it's this transitional crossing the chasm where we need to make sure that we've got enough capacity for the, the new uh, customers that we are out uh, in conversations with. 
uh, while making sure, of course, that we deliver the, the, the right type of economics on the current business that we have now. So we can flex up and, and down as required, but of course, where, we, where we're moving towards is starting to get some of the leverage off of the, the scale of our business longer term. Um, how much share do, did the uh, customers that you lost share with this quarter represent? Uh, so, Martin, we don't—I I don't have a track on that particular number. So, we've we capped this a fair bit of time ago, uh, and so when we take a look at how their volume ramps versus uh, our tier ones and tier twos. It's driven by the market. Uh, it's driven by us winning market share with some customers um, and or some of them maintaining that cap uh, cap volume that we have. So uh, I apologize. I don't, I don't have an easy answer for that question. Yeah, no problem. And the, uh, the customers that you lost share with, did you lose any of them entirely? Or and if not, um, what's your level of confidence that you'll bring it back over time? Yeah, so listen, I, I think where we're focused again, I think the confidence in the new customers we're bringing on, focusing on those longer-term franchise customers, the ones that are interested and, and focused on performance, on quality, on speed, Martin, those are the ones that we will continue to grow, that we're focused on increasing market share with, and we feel very confident that we are performing right now and that we will continue to increase market share with them. So that's really, that's really where the team's focused. Market share increase with tier ones and twos. Market share increase with uh, our, our the right customers within our uh, historical base, as well as bringing in more new customers. So we, we mentioned we brought in two this past quarter. We we will definitely be bringing in uh, more than two this upcoming quarter, uh, and that's really where the focus is. Okay, I appreciate that. Okay, thanks for taking my question. All right, thanks, Mark. Brian, before we move on to the next question, um, when the question came up about the update on appraisal waivers, it wasn't audible to certain participants on the call. If you could maybe repeat the answer to uh, what is our update on the appraisal waivers right now. Thank you. Ah, for, for sure. My apologies. And lean in, Lynn, if it, it, it does uh, cut out. Um, so on, on appraisal waivers, so in uh, Q2, we talk about the, the impact on the addressable market. And so in Q2, when we reflect back, uh, the waivers had a 31% impact on the market. When we look at Q3, that impact is 22%. So, so a fairly decent drop uh, in the impact of waivers on the addressable market. A good chunk of that is the mix that we've talked about in the past, which is the proportion of purchase transactions uh, versus cash out and versus rate refi. And so with cash outs coming up, with rate refi being flat or slightly negative and with purchase up uh, sort of in the 30% range, we've definitely seen a move in that mix. You also then pair that with uh, our estimates that the GSEs are a slightly smaller proportion of the overall market, and uh, you take those two together and you see uh, a fairly decent drop in the impact of, of waivers. Your next question comes to the line of Richard Say from National Bank Finance, and I Hi, this is here calling in for Richard. I uh, just wanted to ask on uh, the data uh, side, um, if there, is there any update on that? 
Mahir, we, we continue the conversations and uh, and the work that we're doing on our data strategy. Uh, so we've we've our corporate development team has been very busy this past quarter, uh, and we've continued to evolve. I think our view on on the verticals uh, and the we've, we've interacted with the the right type of of uh, customers in that uh, space, and so I think we're feeling like that that strategy is definitely moving uh, moving forward. Okay, and uh, then just on uh, inflation, I was just wondering if you guys are seeing any impact of the business uh, regarding that. Uh, no, I, I don't think right now, uh, at least in the past quarter um, here, we haven't seen uh, any of the in inflationary discussion really having an impact. I mean, as you, you probably are aware, um, the, it's, it's much more based on the macro dynamics of the mortgage market. So we've seen purchases up. Uh, fairly significantly, we've seen uh, the refinance market, as we've talked about, relatively flat, uh, minus 0.5 percent. So that's that's really, I think, the the drivers. Okay, and then just one last one. Uh, just uh, obviously, you guys have been pretty aggressive with the uh, share buybacks. Just wondering how we should think about that moving forward. Sure. So we we uh, we work very closely with our board. Uh, around the share buyback, and uh, so you can see by our our, uh, our activity, 60 million dollars spend in uh, in the last quarter, 4.4 million shares. Uh, the board really believes in in the long-term intrinsic value of the business, and uh, and so we, we definitely leaned in this past quarter. Um, this is our biggest quarterly investment to date, as as, uh, as no doubt, Mahir, you're, you're aware. So uh, going forward, we're going to continue to work with the board. It's a very disciplined approach, and, uh, and we will evaluate as part of our overall uh, capital allocation strategy uh, and consider it both against uh, other strategic elements we're looking at as well as growth opportunities going forward. Okay. Thanks. So thank you for taking my questions. I'll pop the call. All right. Thanks, Mahir. Your next question comes from the line of Parth Shah from Tenacore Genuity. Your line is now open. Hi, uh, this is Rob Young on for Parth. I'm um, first question for me would be related to the um, the one third of the shortfall related to the um, the diversified uh, title. The remaining two thirds. Is there a way to parse that out to give an indication of how much was related to the um, the accounts that you'd capped off uh, late last year? Uh, or maybe just to, to get a, a sense of how much of that shortfall is related to strategic decisions that you know, you're making as a management team versus market-related. Uh, sure, Rob. I mean, so a, a good portion would be related to uh, to our decisions around capping historical customers. Um, I say that the Tier 1s and Tier 2s, uh, Tier 1, Tier 2 we launched this year, as we've discussed, uh, have been progressing uh, from a market share standpoint, so uh, definitely a, a decent proportion is the the capping that we thought uh, made tremendous sense uh, back in a very different market at the end of uh, the last year. Okay, great. And then um, I mean, just to continue on, I think the, Martin asked uh, a question on the permanence of the decision there. What about the uh, the diversified industry or the diversified? Parts are, are those permanent decisions that you're moving away from those businesses, or is that a temporary resource allocation that you might, you know, um, you know, go back into those markets? 
Rob, we've, we've talked about uh, diversified title over the years. Um, it's, it's, as you know, it's a lumpy business. It's uh, very project-based, and it's not, it's not uh, built in like our scaled, uh, networked platform model. So um, we started making those uh, comments last year around looking at, uh, at rationalizing it. We, we made the comment earlier in the year around commercial where we shut that down. We shut down cap markets. And so uh, that, that's pretty well most of the diversified uh, business, Rob, that's, uh, that's now shut down. And, and we're going to rationalize that into the growth on centralized title. That's our scale business. That's the long-term business. Um, so that's, I think, the way we're, we're looking at diversified title. Great. Okay. And then maybe last question. You said uh, just a couple minutes ago that you're seeing an uptick in new client wins subsequent to the quarter. Is there any other color you can provide around that, whether it's tier two or smaller or maybe any any additional color would be helpful? Then I'll pass on. Yeah, no, I, I think the comment around we, we launched a couple last and I feel confident that we'll launch more of that this quarter. Um, because the sales pipelines and the focus from our sales team on new customers has been uh, quite strong. So it's going to be a mix. We'll have to see, Rob, which ones uh, land. But uh, we've got a very good mix. You know our focus on Tier 1s and 2s. And, uh, and then, of course, we are just as focused on the right types of customers uh, in the Tier tier 3, 4 category. So, as I say, it just depends on how, how they launch and how they, uh, they land. And I will definitely comment on that next quarter. Thanks. Again, as a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 1. Again, that is star 1 to ask a question. Your next question comes from the line of Martin Foner from ATV Capital Markets. Your line is now open. Hey, guys. Thanks. Two quick follow-ups. Uh, number one, was decentralized title lower margin? And then number two, will the removal of the adverse market refinance fee um, Will that give refinance markets a boost? Uh, let me address your second question, Martin, and then I'll have uh, Bill address the, the margin question on DT. Um, so the adverse fee, I think, listen, when the adverse fee came in, um, uh, I guess late last year, um, when the adverse fee came in, our commentary around that, Martin, was that we thought um, there was a very good chance that the banks would take that into the, the spread uh, and the margin on the business, which is what we, we generally saw. Uh, so our view right now is that we don't think that will have a, a big impact on the business. Um, it is 50 bips. It is 0.125%, uh, depending on the loan size. Um, but we, we think uh, it probably won't have a, a significant impact. I think it's... Um, you know, the conversation out in the market, we'll see in August, of course, when it hits, but the conversation from uh, from a market standpoint with, with a bunch of the lenders is uh, that it very well either may not be um, enacted too much or may not have too much of an impact on their, their customer base. Great. And how about decentralized title margin profile relative to centralized? Yeah. So, Bill? Yeah. Can you hear me all right? Yep. Excellent. So, Martin, um, even though the, the, the decentralized, uh, diversified, sorry, diversified uh, revenue stream was project-based, a little bit lumpy, it actually shared a very similar net revenue margin profile to uh, centralized title. So, think in that 60 to 65% range on a, on a blend of the basis across all of the service offerings that, that uh, constituted a diversified service. 
uh, revenue stream. So very similar is the short answer to CT. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Thank you. We have no further questions in the queue. This concludes the Real Matters third quarter 2021 conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Okay, thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.